Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. This is a podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. My name may or may not be Todd Hicksonball, a.k.a. the Todd Father. And we have a great episode for you today. Today, we are talking with Kara Ulmer, who is the director at World Relief in Akron, Ohio. And you may be wondering, what does World Relief do? World Relief, and what kind of what Kara does is she works with refugees and people um, who are seeking asylum in the United States that are located in Akron. And uh, Kara is an interesting person. She's given a TED Talk uh, about this. So she spoke at TEDx Akron. Um, the difference between TED Talks and then TEDx Talks are um, TED Talks are uh, they're actually run by the organization TED. TEDx Talks are done at a different location. However, they um, they're kind of they're, they're they're helped along by TED. And so she did one of those, um, and she, it was actually in Akron. And so she talked about that. But what she does with World Relief is Kara specifically directs and helps people as they're as they're um, gaining footing really whenever they come to Akron to be able to acclimate to, to, uh, to what's going on. They help, she helps them, their organization helps them kind of with all the legal stuff that goes along with it. And so it's a, she's a wealth of knowledge whenever it comes to kind of refugees and immigration and all the stuff that's kind of going on in the world uh, kind of in that, in that pool or whatever you want to call it uh, for us to be able to learn from. Exactly. Now speaking of stuff that we're learning from. Uh-oh. We have, is it time? It is. It is our Learner's Corner Recommended Resource of the Week. That was terrible, but whatever. That was pretty bad. It's fine. Whatever. What is it, Caleb? Now, our Learner's Corner Recommended Resource of the Week is a book. It's called Hitmakers by Derek Thompson. Hitmakers by Derek Thompson. What is this book about, Caleb Mason? This book is about how to create, surprise, surprise, hits in the age of distraction. And it's it's one of um, my favorite books that I've read in the year Uh-oh. 2018. Uh-oh. Is it too early for Caleb's book of the year talk? Are we, are we there? It's never too early for that. Hey. Anyway, I absolutely love this book. Because, because one, because of the content, and two, the incredible stories that he has in there. He talks about yeah. ESPN, Spotify, Adele, President Trump, Star Wars. Uh, Pokemon Dis- Go. Pokemon Go, yeah. Disney Princesses, Taylor Swift. Let me see. Seinfeld, all of this stuff. He is, it is, I agree with you, it is one of the best books. It, it is probably the best book I've read so far in 2018. Hundred um, percent. I absolutely. I abs. I'm saying it right now. Right now, if I have my list coming out, it is. It is the best. It's number one. It is. It's number one. In March, it's number. It's hear that, folks. Right now, it is number one. Um, I and yeah, and that's not to put down other authors that, of people that I've read that they know. I'm just saying, right now, this book is number one, and and I have my reasons for it too. Um, I think that it, it really is something. If you really pay attention to this resource. I think you can hack it and be able to really, if you're a person who's creating content, if you read this book and if you hack it correctly, it can help you to be able to definitely market and think about how to get your product seen by as many people as possible. So that is our Learner's Corner podcast resource of the week. 
That's just terrible. Oh my god, I gotta stop doing that. It is. Now, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, we were talking with Kara today, and we're talking with her about refugees. And this was a conversation that was really enlightening because we don't know that much. We're two white dudes living in Ohio. That's right. As my friend Todd Hicksabaugh said, we're young, dumb, and broke at one point or another. Hashtag, that does not come from me. That is a song by a guy named... Yes, we all know the song. Okay, thank you. Yes. Anyway, we have a great episode for you today, and we're going to join our conversation with Kara right now. Well, Kara, we're so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner today. Thank you for having me. You know, just as we get started, do you want to tell us what made you want to get involved in helping and serving refugees? Um, sure. I it's I'll try to not tell too long of a story, but I would say there's been uh, my life has been kind of an adventure. I worked in banking and I had been recruited by Barclays, so I was working overseas in England and just going through some personal stuff and through that ended up leaving banking to help a friend start up a social enterprise where working with survivors of human trafficking. And I did that for four years. Um, I'd actually moved to the kind of like headquarters office to Akron, which is where I am now. Um, It was my introduction to injustice um, and poverty. I worked in Cambodia and Thailand and Ghana, West Africa. And just in living overseas and then traveling overseas um, and then coming back to Akron, which is my birth town, uh, I was putting my resume out. I had someone suggest that I apply for the job with World Relief because they wanted to open a new office to work with refugees in Akron. And I had every intention of leaving Akron and going overseas, but I was so struck by the idea of my own personal journey of having been welcomed in so many other places um, by by people when, when I was an immigrant that I thought the idea of being in my own birth town and my own culture, but being able to work with people who were coming from international places really appealed to me. So I, so I applied and I got it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Ken, you know, I think most of our audience has heard of refugees, but not all of them may know what a refugee is. Or they might not have a positive perception of it due to the current political climate. So could, yeah. Yeah, I think it's actually, it's a really good question. And I think there is a significant amount of confusion about refugee and refugee, the word refugee and the word immigrant and the word undocumented or illegal immigrant are used very interchangeably, um, but they're actually incredibly different. So when I think of an immigrant, that is anyone who is traveling to America, for example. So an immigrant to America could be a family from Japan coming on a tourist visa to visit Disney World for a week. That's an immigrant. An immigrant could be someone coming over on a student visa to get a degree at University of Akron or Ohio State. An immigrant could be someone who's coming over on an H-1B visa to work for a company um, it could be someone who's coming on, yeah, like a tourist or student or travel visa or work visa. A refugee is a particular segment of immigrants who are coming over on what's called an I-94 visa, which is specific only to refugee status. 
Um, so refugees are a subset of total immigrants coming. And from my experience, refugees are the most vulnerable of the immigrants coming to America uh, legally. So they cannot come on their own. They only come if America invites them. Um, and I don't know if you, is it, can I talk a little bit about the vetting process? Because I think that Definitely. is a big factor in designating who a refugee is and how they come to the States. Yeah, definitely. Please. Um, so just really specifically the definition of a refugee, it's something that's really uh, articulated by the United Nations, and America has agreed with this definition for who a refugee is. So a refugee is someone who has fled one's home country and cannot return because of a well-founded fear of persecution based on a couple things. And those couple things are religion, race, nationality, political opinion, or a membership of a particular social group. So a refugee is not someone who is just choosing to come and go to school in America or just coming to visit Disney World or see the Grand Canyon. A refugee is someone who literally fled their home because of violence or persecution and cannot return to their home. And these five factors of why they were being persecuted are an important part of the definition of a refugee. It takes, on average, 18 months to three years, or historically has taken 18 months to three years, to be vetted and invited by the U.S. State Department to be um, to receive an I-94 visa to come to America. And if I just talk you through the vetting process um, for a refugee... The first thing that happens is say someone, for example, from the Congo, Democratic Republic of the Congo, soldiers come and burn their village down and they flee. So they flee their village. They go to the border with Rwanda. They go across the border into Rwanda and they, they come into the UNHCR um, refugee camp. They have to register with the UN High Commissioner and they have to go through an interview process to be registered in order to receive a tent, to receive rations in that um, United Nations camp. Then if they want to re be resettled to a third country, um, the UNHCR will make a referral to the different embassies of the governments that allow resettlement, and the U.S. is one of those countries. If the U.S. Embassy um, does an interview and sees that that's a person worth passing on, then the Department of State interviews that refugee. They usually enter the interview their family. They have to answer questions multiple times by multiple people who are trained by the U.S. State Department um, to do the interviews, and any interpreters have to have been born on U.S. soil. Um, so once the Department of State conducts those interviews, if they pass the interviews, they do a background check against the U.S. watch list. There's an additional security review called the Security Advisory Opinion. And then the National Counterterrorism Center conducts an interagency check on any applicant. And if you're Syrian, um, you have to have a special personal recommendation by the FBI in order to get a visa. Um, then once you go through all of those security checks, 
you have a medical screening because no one with um, an active communicable disease can come to the States on a refugee visa. Uh, then you get matched with an agency like World Relief, and then we have to approve that we'll accept you. Um, they do a cultural orientation, and then they get their second security clearance. Then they come to the States on a plane. Um, come through border security and then land in the airport. So from from all these vettings, you know, it sounds like it would be pretty difficult for, you know, someone who is maybe trying to seek harm on, you know, maybe the United States or another country. It seems like it would be difficult for them to get through because I think that's one of the things that people think of whenever they, they think of refugees is that, you know, well, what if, you know, what if a terrorist gets through? But from... From you talking about the vetting process, it sounds like it's very thorough for that. It's it is the it is I mean pre pre even the new administration's desire to introduce further vetting. Refugees are vetted more than any other visitor coming to the U.S. And the a refugee stays on average um, seventeen years in a refugee camp before they're approved to come to the U.S. Um, and so in the history of the Refugee Resettlement Program um, under the Refugee Act of 1980, there have been three million refugees who've come to the U.S. And there has never in the history of the program been a single act of domestic terrorism perpetrated on U.S. soil. So that really does kind of dispel this, this I'll call it a myth, that people really are, are believing about um, about this being a, a key issue in, in letting people in. Why is it so long? I mean, I understand what you just explained is a long process, but why is it that they're staying in these in these camps for so long? Um, I mean, there are people who can't return home, and oftentimes the countries that are hosting them. So when you think about um, the countries that are hosting the refugee camps, um, like the number one country hosting refugees right now is Turkey, who has 2.9 million refugees living in their country. Um, Pakistan is number two, Lebanon is number three, Iran is number four. And just the level of infrastructure that those countries have to absorb those refugees or to give them work visas or to make them part of their own country is really challenging. Um, most refugees don't resettle to a third country. It's wow. a long, long process. Um, in Akron, the the highest number of well, the highest population that's been coming to Akron as refugees is from Bhutan. Um, and I'll hear stories frequently of people who lived in the camp for twenty years and had their children there. Um, and so it's not to be a refugee or to go through the refugee process to come to the United States. It's really unlikely that someone would be that patient. And I think we're in a really different situation than Europe in the sense that we are not refugees are usually coming across the ocean to us. Um, so they're not just showing up on our borders the way that refugees have in Europe. And I think there's a lot of confusion about, oh, we're going to experience the same thing that they're experiencing in Europe. And that's not the case because the U.S. State Department actually invites people to come. They can't choose America themselves. So I had this, this, I, this is something that came to my mind. Um, and there's mm -hmm. another question I'll get to here in a second, but it just popped into my brain. 
what so there's the whole refugee thing people coming from um particularly right now with everything that's happened in syria is the one that i'm thinking of in particular but then there's this other issue where we have um you know they'll call them illegals or whatever people coming over where they are at our border um to the south or or wherever it is and there's that's another big thing that people want to talk about so what how does that all work and is this something that that um your organization uh deals in and then how 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 can we kind of wrap our mind around that because i think that is something that really does pollute the idea of refugees is this all this other thing of of illegals and how that's been kind of uh, stereotyped in into our society today yeah i think um so we tend well i mean i think we internally within world relief we tend to refer to people as undocumented okay. and kind of the idea that a person themselves is not illegal but i mean i think i am open to having conversations with people so if you're coming over and you don't have a visa um then you're coming over as an undocumented immigrant mm-hmm. uh most of the most people who are undocumented immigrants in the states actually came on a legal visa but overstayed their visa um and there's a difference also where a lot of people are coming across the border from Mexico the vast majority of them i mean a lot of immigrants that are coming across the border they're fleeing some kind of violence or poverty to come to America um oftentimes they will be put into a detention center so if you hear about that um detention centers along the borders and they'll be there for i mean they'll be there for a long time so if a family is fleeing gang violence for example down in South America and they make their way up to the border to the US and then they stay in a detention center they actually apply for asylum so that's where there's a lot of um i think the asylum cases they're 3 years behind so in Akron there is um a friend of mine who came on a student visa he's from Syria he his family and everything that was happening back home made it so that he could not go back home and he ended up overstaying his visa and he has applied for asylum so he has a ticket showing that he's applied for um asylum meaning to apply for a legal visa um his case will likely not come before the court for 3 years So I think when we think of undocumented I think there's a lot of uh conversation about people coming and living in America without a legal document to be here. Um and that's really different than a refugee and I guess to answer your question from World Relief like the office that we that we run here in Akron we do not work with undocumented um although we will refer if people tend to come to us or we find out uh about a situation then we will refer them to immigration legal services um so that they can get some kind of support in applying for asylum to be here legally gotcha. uh there are there are other world relief offices who do that those services directly awesome well I- So we've been kind of in the weeds on the micro uh, with with refugees with with undocumented um 
immigrants and all these different types of things. Can you take us kind of on a macro level and kind of give us a picture of of the state of refugees, the state of, of immigrants in the world as a whole today? There's just a lot of things in the news and a lot of things that I think people hear and see. But what's what's really going on on more of a global scale? Um, I think because of violence and conflict in particular countries like Syria or Congo um, or even in Bhutan, where in the 1980s, the king of Bhutan um, decided that he wanted one people, one culture, one language, one religion. And so ethnic cleansing started. And that often is like where people begin to be displaced. Um, And in the world today, there are around 66 million people who've been displaced by violence or persecution. Um, 22 and a half of those 66 million are considered refugees um, that are fleeing persecution and have gone actually to a third, like a a different country than their own country. yeah, I think what what we talk a lot about is there are more people who are living in refugee camps. There are more people who um, have been displaced than ever before in recorded history um, at this point in time. And so we're just living in a world where where there are wars and people are leaving. Um, it's the the population is so much larger uh, than it has been in the past. And are we seeing – I don't know if this is something that, that people like your organization or others are looking to or, or if you've heard of any of this. Is there are – we, are we beginning to see trends or reasons why it's kind of coming to this? Is, it, is the world just more violent now or is this – is there something else going on? I'm just curious. Yeah. You know what? I, I don't know if I would – have a really good answer to that. I mean, I think I can hear sometimes there is the issue of climate change where there is a beginning scarcity of resources in some areas. So you hear about that even in Rwanda, the fighting that started um, in the 90s because of lack of uh, land for planting. And so as we see more droughts in Sudan, for example, a lot of refugees then their civil war breaks out over resources and political tension, um, which creates refugees. And so I don't even know that I would say necessarily that our world is more violent than it has been in the past. Um, but the the impact that we're seeing and the impact that we know about um, is resulting in, yeah, 66 million people being displaced. I guess just one question that, you know, I'm wondering about is, you know, I just imagine like the average person who's thinking like, why, why should I care about refugees because you know i got my own stuff going on you know i got stuff with my family i got problems with my friends or problems with at work why is it important that people care about what's happening with refugees yeah i um i just went to an event last night where it was run by um, a poetry center from one of the local universities and they did a project 
um, to engage some of the refugee population in while they were learning English in writing poetry to help them connect with the English language emotionally and to be able to share some of their stories. One woman was from Morocco and one man was from Syria and one man was from the Congo. And it was so interesting to me because every one of them, one of the men talked about um, in Syria when he wrote poetry, he he got arrested for writing poetry. Um, the man from Congo talked about how he didn't write poetry because he didn't have paper or pens or pencils. And I think what struck me is that they're not dissimilar from me. Um, they grew up in a really different location, different culture, but they smile like I do and they laugh like I do and they love their mother like I do. Um, and the, the common humanity that's there uh, and seeing the Imago Day, if you will, in every person. And I think how America is the wealthiest country in the world. Um, we have so much. And so every time I hear a refugee talk about where they're coming from, um, I feel like, how could I not welcome them? Um, I, I mean, I wanted to share some stats just about employment in the states uh, of immigrants and then about crime. Um, I think about Akron, where I live, it's a Rust Belt city, um, quintessential Rust Belt with population decline, potholes in all the roads, um, manufacturing companies leaving because they can't find a workforce. And so the mayor of Akron and the city council have officially declared our city as a welcoming city. Um, so I think you can talk about the humanitarian aspect and the idea of we have so much, and I think in America, we, we're so often ruled by fear instead of compassion. Um, I remember when I lived in England, and then I would come back to the States and watch TV here in the States, and I was like amazed at how different the commercials were. So commercials in America um, are... Uh, these germs are in your carpet, and if you don't use this cleaner, then you're all going to get sick. If you don't take this medicine, you're going to be depressed or have a heart attack. If you don't use this beauty product, then you're not going to be beautiful. And all of the messages that I was hearing, like in advertising or what have you, are how you're not enough, you don't have enough, and you need this thing. And it was so different than advertising in England, where it was more just on a human humanitarian level. And so I think in America, this idea of being motivated by fear instead of compassion is like, it's a difficult line to walk. And if we receive so many of the messages that we do, then we see the other as someone to be afraid of, or someone who is a threat, instead of seeing them as, hey, they're in a common struggle of living life. Um, I think the other thing is in America, uh, there's a group called the New American Economy. It's a bipartisan group of around 500 business leaders and mayors who advocate for immigration reform. And I love some of their reporting. It's really helpful and it's really unbiased um, amidst so much biased information. And just I'll just share two things from them. Um, because I think one of the greatest myths is we have this fear, oh, these immigrants are coming and they're bringing crime. 
Um, there was a report that was done uh, using data from the American Community Survey and Uniform Crime Reports, and it's from 2005 to 2014. Uh, every time there's a 1% increase in the share of immigrants in a county, it resulted in a 1.5% decrease in violent crime and a 2.1% decrease in property crime. So when we think of our neighborhoods and you think of your family and you think of safety, having people coming over from another country who've immigrated or been refugees, they're so grateful to be here that they want to give back to their communities. Um, and you see that play out on micro and macro levels. Um, I think the other thing is we talk about jobs and there's a lot of concern about would our immigrants and refugees coming over and taking our jobs. And I always, I, I like to quote this and see how people respond to it. But in um, North Carolina in 2011, um, there was, it was a time of high unemployment and there were in the agricultural industry, there were 6,500 open farm jobs in the state. How many Americans do you think applied for those 6,500 jobs? No idea. 268. And guess how many of the 268 American born finished the harvest season? No idea. Seven. <laughs> um, so it gives you an idea of like what kind of jobs immigrants are taking. Out of 6,500 jobs in one state, only 268 American-born wanted to apply for them. So when you think of the what our economy and how immigrants affect our economy, um, the U.S. population and the U.S. labor force is aging. Only 57% of U.S.-born population is of average working age, while immigrants and refugees are 79% working age. And we see that in the Rust Belt cities, and we see that here in our community where refugees and immigrants are doing jobs and paying into Social Security and paying into Medicaid um, that helps support the U.S.-born. And so... Uh, I mean, I think of that, I guess, as a reason to think about why we would want immigrants here. Um, every time a thousand immigrants move to a county, 46 new manufacturing jobs, um, well, 46 manufacturing jobs are created or preserved. Um, so we've seen manufacturers like Gojo or Rubbermaid here in Summit County really pursue the refugee um, community for their workforce because they show up on time and they have attendance and they pass the drug tests. Um, immigrants are also twice as likely to start their own business as a U.S. born person. So I guess, yeah, it's a lot of words I'm saying back to you in response to that question. Why should we care? I think there's a humanitarian aspect to it and a level of, of human compassion. Um, but then there's also just the really practical 
um, economic factors. Uh, universities are looking for students. They're looking for enrollments. That's dropping in the U.S. population. So they're looking to foreign-born. Um, we're estimated to be short 250,000 people for STEM jobs. So looking to immigrants who have an educational background or the skill set to fill those jobs. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And I think the next thing I want to ask you is, okay, so for like the average person, what can they do to help engage or, you know, champion the cause of refugees? Like if I came up to you and said, Kara, I want to get involved. I want to help refugees in whatever way that I can. What would you say to me? Um, I would invite you to consider, I guess, depending on where you live, to reach out to a refugee resettlement agency like World Relief. Um, if you were in Akron and you were asking me that question, I would invite you to come to one of our volunteer orientations and just talk to you a little bit about, you know, we offer ways for you to be able to connect with the refugee community here in Akron. So just one example is um, when refugees first arrived, we work with them in their first 90 days. And during that first 90 days, we're getting them set up and connected to resources for um, self-sustainability. And so there are a lot of appointments they have to go to in their first 30 days. And we have volunteers um, pick them up and drive them to their appointments. So like a doctor's appointment or to get their social security card or to help enroll their kids in school. And it's a beautiful opportunity to engage with them, um, to hear their story, to see what their life is gonna be like. Um, most of the time refugees are coming with one duffel bag to their whole, and that's everything they own. Um, so you just get to engage with them and practice English. And um, yeah, so road running is one way I would invite you to get engaged. Hey, Kara, what are you learning right now in light of working with refugees? Oh, so World Relief is... Um, the humanitarian arm of the National Association of Evangelicals. And so if you think of the word evangelical and you think of the word refugee, I think most people see those things as opposites and counterintuitive. And I think there are a couple of things I'm learning. One is what does it look like to not give in to black and white thinking, um, but to allow people to be complex and nuanced? So I encounter a lot of people who don't understand what a refugee is, and they equate them to the word terrorist. And so being able to sit in a conversation with someone who, who doesn't understand or maybe who disagrees and to really just listen and ask questions, it's really taught me how to listen, um, not to make assumptions. I think every time I get to work with a refugee, every time I get to sit with someone who has come to America as a refugee, I am blown away. Like truly, genuinely, I always come away inspired by the resilience of people, um, their ability to 
overcome and to pick up and start a new life. Uh, I took my team to do a team building exercise and we did an escape room. And I thought later, if you've ever done that, you have one hour to kind of figure out all these puzzles and get out of the room. And I just thought that's what it's like for a refugee every day as they're learning how to navigate American systems. And so just the resilience and the hope that they have to start over, it, it just blows me away. So those are two things I'm learning. Great. Well, Kara, if people want to, if people, like what resources would you recommend if people want to dive deeper into understanding refugees more? Are there books or podcasts or anything like that? Or even websites? Yeah, a couple of things. One I would maybe recommend if you're looking for kind of a broad global perspective to go to um, the website for UNHCR, which is the UN Refugee Agency, um, unhcr.org. Uh, it just talks about statistics, definitions, processes, etc. And so if you're just looking for information, there's another, there's a book that I would recommend called Seeking Refuge that was written by Matt Sorens. Um, um, and Stephen Bowman and Dr. Isam, uh, that's really a comprehensive and simple read, and it goes between facts, but it also includes stories, um, and it is a pretty simple read. And then I would also just invite people to check out our website, worldreliefakron.org. Awesome. And then is that the best way, if people want to continue to learn from you, that they can do that, or do you have stuff on social media or anything like that to where people can follow Yeah, we do. We have a Facebook page, World Relief Akron, um, and then our website, worldreliefakron.org. Uh, we post uh, we post events and stories and ways that you can get involved here locally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kara, thanks so much for joining us today on the Learner's Corner. Thank you for having me. Kayla, we just had a great conversation with Kara Almer. What was something that you learned from that conversation? I think one of the things that I learned was, you know, whenever she was talking about how most refugees aren't going after the same types of jobs that U.S. citizens are going after, which I think is a little bit counterintuitive because most people think, well, refugees, they're going to take my jobs or stuff like that. And so the fact that they really aren't was new information to me. The, the thing that I learned from it was the process that they have to go through. I mean, that's an intensive process. I'm just thinking of, of how she talked about 17, 20 years that these people are living in these camps. I'm 25, almost 26. That would mean I was five or six years old whenever I entered in. I mean, when you think about it like that, that is insane to think about. And, and, and the vetting process that goes on, um, and not everything's perfect, right? I mean, things can happen. But, I mean, the vetting process, as she said, is one of one of the most in-depth. It's intense. I mean, it's in-depth. Um, so that, I just didn't know that. Um, and again, you know, with this episode, you know, Caleb and I aren't trying to spark a political upheaval where people are furious at us. But I, think, I don't know. I think I am. Uh, look, look at you. Caleb, he, he, has the, he has the face of a rebel. Um, but it's just interesting to be able to know, you know, true facts about what's going on. Just interesting. Exactly. And just as with everything that we talk about on the podcast, our goal is to learn something. We don't have to agree with everyone in order to learn something from someone. So Boom. If, if you enjoyed this episode, or if you're like, man, I wish that we could move on to the next episode. The best way to catch our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, 
Overcast, Google Play, TuneIn, whatever you listen to, subscribe to us. And if this podcast has helped you in any way, if you've learned something from it, if you appreciate what we're doing, leave us a rating, write a review of the podcast. It literally costs you nothing except for maybe three minutes of your time. It doesn't even take three minutes if we're being honest, but that's a whole other thing. So show your appreciation. Let us know what you learned on social media. At me. Or let us know what you're just learning in general. We would love to hear from you. Do it. So thanks so much for listening to the Learner's Corner podcast. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Hicksonball. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces, y'all.